Good evening. It's Tuesday the 30th of October and this is the Tuesdaycast. This is the Tuesdaycast. And I fear it shall ever be thus, but all of the things that I thought about how wonderful it would be to talk about them during the day. I'm now home and I've only just got the, you know, kids settled and now I can actually do this and so much of it's just flown straight out of my head. So I'll see how much I can remember of what I've been thinking about talking about this week. So, as as seems to be the case every week at the moment, it's been a big week in global politics. Brazil has um, elected a populist president who um, is quite prepared to sell off the Amazon to businesses and build roads through it and all sorts of stuff, which is an ecological nightmare. Um, the uh, Victorian Liberals want to bring back chaplains and it's just like, please, God, no, don't let Matthew Guy become Premier. Like, <laughs> I can't, I'm not sure if there's enough of an activist campaign going on with purely that message, but that's certainly the thing that's going on in my mind. We do not allow the former planning minister to become the Premier of the state. Not in Dan Andrews' place, I don't think. I think I've supported most of what Dan Andrews has said and a lot of what he's done, so, yeah, I'm not not keen to see the government change in Victoria. Um, the crossbench in Australia's hung federal parliament are pushing for a federal um, anti-corruption um which would which would be really fantastic because i mean i'm I, it's a start you know i mean i think you only have to look at the banking royal commission to see how much headway a a, a royal commission with effective scope or the royal commission into institutional child sex abuse i mean in so many ways australia is at the back of the pack but in an, in a lot of other ways australia is Lead, heading up the discourse in a way that a lot of other countries really wouldn't do, wouldn't be able to. So, yes, it's a very curious mix of shame and pride to be Australian. Um, Tony Abbott hung around like a bad smell at the unveiling of Julia Gillard's portrait, which resulted in some hilarious video. Um I got to spend a little bit of time at home. I've been watching The Good Place, which I'm really enjoying. It's very clever and um, uh, funny, and I'm enjoying it a lot. I've also been revisiting Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, catching up with the tail end of season two, knowing that season three is out and about and ready to be watched, and it's lovely to see these these people again. I, got, I went through a stage of watching a lot of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and um, I really love... Uh, Rachel Bloom who plays Rebecca Bunch and also has written and conceived the show she's just magic and um, Heather who's so cool and Paula and all of them actually they're all such interesting characters Daryl and uh, yeah there's probably others that I'm forgetting oh, the one who doesn't speak in the office she's hilarious Oh my god, they had the sex party, sex toy, <laughs> sex toy thing with Karen. Oh, I'm not Karen, I'm Angelique. That was funny. 
Um, I also managed to watch the first episode of, is it called Maniac or Manic? Because I've gone, I'm not completely confident. But at any rate, it's Jonah Hill's, is he directing it or just EPing it? I know he's involved in it at the helm. He's looking very, very skinny. And um, it's, it's, I'm hoping that it's more original than it looks from the first episode. I love Emma Stone. I'm always happy to watch her in anything, but it does feel a little bit like I've already seen Fight Club. I've already seen Brazil. Um, what are you thinking I'm going to get out of this as a viewer? I mean, it, it looks like it would be fun to make, and I love the Jemima Kirk um, cameo. I was like, woohoo, Jemima, hello. But, um, yeah. I'll watch another one. I also really like the music um, by someone called Dan Roma. The end credit music was particularly beautiful for the first episode. And I think it's actually a bit of a, a contemporary tragedy that we miss out on so much of the music from shows because of the way that Netflix just rolls into the next episode and you have to select watch credits, whereas I'm not used to that. I, I prefer that the credits just play and you have to make them stop rather than you have to say, you have to opt in to the credits these days and that's um, that doesn't suit me, doesn't suit the way that I've developed as a viewer, but I don't know, seems to be the way things go now. Um, I did watch another episode of Riverdale because... I sort of thought, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll keep going with this. But then it's the misappropriation of the Hermione character. I really can't handle being that that's my name. It's like it's just so mathematically unlikely that that character would be called Hermione. And also she looks like a cut-price Kardashian and it's just like world of no, like no. <laughs> She's just, there's not – yeah, anyway – there's obviously nothing I can do about it, but it just feels like, please, can these global franchises just leave my name alone? Um, Harry Potter I could live with, but Luke Perry saying Hermione just freaks me out a little bit, I think. Plus, she's she's probably the worst actress of the bunch and the most um, sort of soap opera-y character. Like, you really feel it when you're watching her on the screen. She's just like... I don't believe it. It feels like Bold and the Beautiful or Days of Our Lives and you sort of suddenly realise what a soap opera Riverdale has become. And also it's just the whole show is quite difficult for me to watch being such an Archie comic fan and having loved those characters for such a long time and then just like there's a there's a kind of schism that goes in my head. It's like uh, it's a cognitive dissonance. I don't know what it is. I forget what that means. I know I need to look it up. Um... Fungible is the word that I realised I needed to look up in the dictionary. I think it means spendable. Is that right? Somebody's values were fungible. That turned up in the first episode of something. Um, also, I got a book in the post. I got two books in the post. One is It Didn't Start With You, a book about uh, how family trauma can live on in your DNA, which is pretty interesting. Um, and I also got... Uh, I Don't Know What You Know Me From by Judy Greer, which I am just devouring because she's... she. I love Judy Greer. I remember the first time I saw her, she played this sort of down-and-out assistant intern character in the What Women Want film 
that if it only had just not had Mel Gibson in it, I would have really loved because there's so many excellent female characters in it, so many excellent female performances in it. But then at the centre of it all, making the wheel spin is Mel, I'm so great, Gibson. And it's just like, did you really need to do that dance number? Yeah, no, you didn't. But you gave Sarah Paulson some... You gave her a couple of really great lines and... Yeah, Judy Greer was fantastic in it. There was lots of really good female characters and lots of really good lines in it, but I think the fact that it was produced by and starring Mel Gibson was not in its favour. Um, but anyway, yeah, so Judy Greer was in that, and so I've been sort of... I watched the credits to find her name. I liked her so much in that, and I've been keeping an eye out for her and going, it's Judy Greer, it's Judy Greer, for a while. I'm... I'm a huge admirer of of Judy Greer and reading her autobiography, something just fell off the wall in the bathroom, it's all right, it's all held on with suction cups. Um, uh, reading her autobiography is just delightful. She's a really charming writer. It doesn't appear to have been ghostwritten. It's like really written by her and it's very sweet and endearing and funny and honest and like switched on she's she's cool you if you are looking for a really good autobiography to read and just enjoy I highly recommend it so it's called I don't know what you know me from there's a couple of different covers like cover images but I chose the one with her in the red dress um which has got a hilarious picture on the back cover which is really funny yeah she's very self-aware and um she's had this sort of really really interesting background but in the in a kind of every town USA kind of way, she she really has sort of captured that essence of middle America, which is likable and sweet rather than a Trump voter with guns. And, you know, people in her family might be Trump voters with guns, I don't know, but I don't know, reading the Judy Greer book, you, I just feel like it's, it's not possible that all of middle America can be the problem. Um, let me see. I don't think I've absorbed a whole lot more that's new. I've been reading lots of um, articles in The Guardian and The Atlantic. There was a fantastic thing in The Atlantic, which was a video piece about a trans man who's written a book about masculinity. And that was fantastic, that little short video. that was I really enjoyed that. And enough to look up the subject of the video and wish list the, um, the book that he has written. But the perspective that he's able to offer on the culture that is the sort of arena in which men play out their identities um, is very... I mean, it's amazing perspective, and um, I I would really like to read the book, so I might put that on my Christmas list. Christmas is barreling down at us. Halloween's next. Lots of um, in this area where we're we're living now, there's lots more people who seem to do Halloween. Like it's not such a cultural cringe. That's what the Americans do. I don't even. I don't even. My mum never supported it because it was it's an American thing. We don't do it here, and also. But my daughter just loves it. She loves everything to do with Halloween and dress-ups and witches and ghouls. And she's going as a witch. She's got a black rose and a really groovy costume. So we'll go do that. I don't mind. Uh, it'll be fun. I am trying to think. don't think there's really anything else. Um, 
Oh, wait, there is one more thing that I did want to talk about, and that is the apocalypse. So if I'm, I'm sort of perpetually aware of the possibility of societal collapse brought on by an unsustainable um, culture that relies too much on fossil fuels and petrol cars and roads and plastic and single-use products and planned obsolescence and capitalist consumerism and I really don't see this ending well the way it is and I don't live my life like like that completely but I, I sort of find it hard sometimes to avoid elements of it. I can see the ways in which I'm I'm definitely part of the problem. Um, and then I was, I posted a, an article that was about doomsday preppers on my Facebook because I've kind of been interested in the survivalist movement for, for a while, like, you know, people filtering their own water and creating bunkers and, but there's sort of a kind of, um, uh, the, the, the walking dead kind of the other humans are the real threat um, kind of xenophobia, zero-sum game psychology that I don't think will serve women and children particularly well or communities or even men. And it's like I've begun to look at the doomsday prepper individual, you know, char character type as being kind of like the paleo diet guy who thinks that you know, survival of the fittest and get a gun, protect protect your woman and your children, but there doesn't seem to be any emphasis on children and women having any quality of life. And it's like, no, actually, I don't think this is what's going to solve the problem. And a friend of mine uh, posted in response to this Doomsday article something about solar punk. And I had never heard that expression. I've heard of steampunk. And um, it got me really interested in the idea um, I remember cyberpunk, you know, I went to see that documentary and everything. But um, so solar punk is kind of like a, a radical societal change, but leading to an optimistic eco-sharing community-based future. And it was really, really fantastic. It brightened my mind right up to, to realise that there was an alternative to, you know, the shit hits the fan, doomsday prep, bunker town, um, walking dead, you know, shoot on sight kind of mentality that actually there are people who are, there was this really nice um, article that I, I found a blog that where someone said, I thought I was a prepper, but actually I'm just a prepared so solar punk. And I was like, that's awesome. So on that note, the possibility of optimism I think is a really, really valuable thing. I think the worst thing that you could be doing right now is assuming that everything's going to be okay and walking blindly into a future where populist governments and conservative values are trying to control what is and isn't possible because what we really need is people who are able to think for themselves and make for themselves and share and communicate with other humans and try not to destroy the planet. Um, the report that we have destroyed 50% of the animals on the planet since the 70s is it's disgusting.
there's no excuse for it. There's absolutely no excuse for what humanity has done to this planet. I mean, consciousness, right? We have consciousness. We have a conscience. We also have incredible denial and myopia when it comes to acknowledging the role that we play in generating our problems. But I don't know where there's solar punk, there's hope, maybe. And don't feel like giving up, not at all. So on that note, <laughs> take care of yourself and I'll see you next Tuesday.